All right, we're back with episode 14 of the Dynasty Dreamers podcast. We are still working through the startup draft that the, the uh, group recently started. Uh, we are down to three here. Uh, it's just me, Luigi, and my son, Bryce. Uh, Jorge and Ryan could not stick around. So uh, we're going to keep it going here, and we're going to start uh, in the seventh round. And what do you know to start this episode? The good guys on the clock. That's right. It's not me, just to clarify. <laughs> team Dark Phoenix, which is myself, is on the clock. And I currently have on my team uh, CJ Stroud, Devontae Smith, and Pat Fryermuth. Uh, this is one of the very few picks during the first 12 rounds of this draft that I didn't really try to trade all that hard. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm looking, yeah. It, I made the pick quit pretty quickly here. Uh, I was pretty set on Quentin Johnson for my team. Uh, he is my uh, wide receiver three in this year's rookie class. I already had Devontae Smith at the wide receiver position. There wasn't really anyone that I wanted to take this early at the quarterback position to go with Stroud. So I felt like Quentin Johnson was the best young player, at least you know on my board he was the best young player. So that's why I took Quentin Johnson here. Yeah, I, I see a lot of rankings that have maybe one or two other wide receivers ahead of him, but you can't go wrong with taking Quentin Johnson here uh, if you have that much conviction about him. Personally, I do have him as my wide receiver three in this class as well, but the gap is a lot bigger than between wide receiver two and wide receiver three for me than I know it is for you. Yeah, I'm yeah. probably closer to uh, my dad's point of view. I think Quentin Johnson and his landing spot is going to be the guy in a couple of years with a great quarterback, whereas Addison's probably going to be behind Jefferson for a long time. Yeah, and, and as many of the viewers on the podcast know, I was completely out on Quentin Johnson before the, the NFL draft, and going to that landing spot gave me a little bit more faith in him because it's hard for me to foresee him not being able to be productive with Justin Herbert. Yeah, and just to piggyback a little bit on what Bryce said, and add to it maybe just a little bit. I fully expect that Allen and Mike Williams probably will both be gone off this team at the end of this this year. So Quentin Johnson could be the wide receiver one for uh, Justin Herbert as early as 2024 season. That brings us to the 702, which is uh, uh, Team Nightcrawler, which is Ryan Nunn, who has, has Fields, Herbert, Eckler, Walker, Javante Williams, Judy, Waddle and Kittle on this team so far. So off to a good win now start. And he added George Pickens to this team at the 702. And I thought this was interesting because Brian has kind of been dogging George Pickens all year long, all off season long. He's even uh, talked negatively, poorly about him on this show earlier in the year, at least once. And I think maybe two or three times. So it was surprising to me because of that reason, but honestly, the pick is, I think it, it makes sense to me. I, I think he's a second-year wide receiver. Uh, I expect him to ascend this year, uh, as second-year wide receivers normally do. So I, I don't think that this was a bad pick for a win-now team to make because I think you still you stay kind of young and, and you get an asset that, that is probably going to to move up this year. And honestly, there wasn't a lot of great veterans left, so I think that this was a good spot. It did personally make me very aggravated because this is who I wanted at the next pick. <laughs> I actually love this pick. Uh, I think George Pickens, when he was on the field last year, was really dynamic, and he's a great blocker. So I think there's no reason why he should ever not be on the field. And I think he has a chance to be that team's wide receiver one by the time the season ends. Agreed. It's kind of confusing for me personally because, like what you said, he spent a lot of this offseason saying how much he didn't like him. But also, there's a wide receiver that comes off the board here in a few picks that he has ranked apparently so much higher than George Pickens that is, he's kind of a young, dynamic wide receiver who – that is true. But I think that's, I think he's even better for a win-now team. And if he has him ranked a lot higher than the wide receiver that he ended up taking, it was just it was kind of confusing well, for him to see. Uh, Ryan's adopted a philosophy, I would say, this offseason that I started adopting last year, and he's kind of doing it now as well. Catching where, on. Yeah, where if 
we're in a situation where we can take a, a player that we're not as high on, but he's equally as valued to other players, and we don't have any shares of him. He, he's he's been it's it's what I like to call personally. I've been calling it the "what if I'm wrong" rule. Yeah, well, I agree with that. Like I said, though, it's just if, it, this felt to me like it should have been the player that comes off the board, and we'll we'll well, I'll, the I'll player, the player. About, he's gotten multiple shares of. Even I, then, I just yeah. I don't know. If I have a player that I have multiple shares of, I'm not going to pass up on him. If I'm really, he does it a lot with with Justin Fields as well. He takes Justin Fields higher than a lot of us would because he has that much conviction of him. And I know he has a ton of Justin yeah. Fields shares. So why why not keep the same conviction about a player that I know that you have that much higher in your rankings than the player you ended up taking? I, I guess that's my I, thoughts. I guess, on I, it. I, guess I get I get your point on that. Yeah, I can, I can see where you're coming from. Not that it's a bad pick, because I, I do I like, I do like George Pickens. I wanted him at the 703. Yeah. So, since he was sniped out from under me unexpectedly at the 702, I decided to trade the 703 to Tyler, uh, Team Flash. And there were some – so, I ended up trading this pick for a 2025 first. And honestly – I have I had a block of three picks in a row here. I have the 703, the 704, and the 705. There was a player he really wanted, and I and I told him straight up, Tyler, there's like th- two or three guys, at least two guys here that I prefer to 2025 first. So the only way I'm going to do this deal with you right now is if you tell me who you're taking. He did tell me who he was taking. It was not one of the guys that I wanted, so we made the trade. Uh, so he took Calvin Ridley at the 703 to add to Burrow, Derek Carr, uh, Russell Wilson. Actually, no, I'm sorry. He does not have Derek Carr yet. He has Burrow. I also have Russell Wilson, does he? I'm spoiling a lot of this, I'm afraid. He has Burrow and Dak for sure. Yeah, he has Burrow, Dak Prescott, A.J. Brown, Traylon Burks, and Kyle Pitts at this point. So he has five players, and he adds Calvin Ridley. Um, I like Calvin Ridley a lot going into this year. I, I really do. I think he's going to have a, a huge bounce back with, with, with Jacksonville from not playing for the last year and a half. But to me, this early and trading a 2025 first, even if it's not yours, it is another, another team's. I, I don't know if I love it. I don't hate him trading for this pick, but I think there was guys on the board, in my opinion, that he should have taken over Ridley. But I do think Ridley's going to be fantastic this year. I love the pick here for Calvin Ridley. Uh, there's a guy uh, that I would still take over Calvin Ridley if it was me that's going to come up in a couple picks. But with Ridley, his uh, ceiling is incredibly high. We've seen him be productive. Uh, I think he's going to the best quarterback he's played with. Uh, even – with Matt Ryan is towards the end of when Matt Ryan was really good. I think Trevor Lawrence is just going to continue to get better. And there's guys there that can help take some coverage off of them. So I think even though it's been two years, Calvin Ridley could be a steal here. I worry about him being off the field for two years and losing a step of explosiveness. Or honestly, I know that he is willing to come back now, but, really losing just the mentality that he had two years ago. I mean, taking two years off of anything, it, it's so much harder to get back into it. You know, you you have a routine for four, four five, six years, and you take two weeks off, it's hard to get into it, let alone two years. So I, while that what does worry me, I do think he has one of the more higher ceilings left on the board. I think Calvin Ridley's uh, placement on the Jags is a big deal, though. I think – Trevor Lawrence and, you know, Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram are going to take some pressure off him. So he has time to get back to it. And he's a great route runner. That's his, you know, best attribute. And as long as he's still, you know, able to understand the game, which I don't think is going to be a problem, that shouldn't go away. All right. Uh, So heading to 704 and 705, I'm going to put those together because they were both picks made by me. Uh, I have Stroud, Quentin Johnson, Devontae, and Pratt Pryormuth on the team right now. And at the 704, I took Jamison Williams. I'm going to be honest with you. 
I don't love this pick. I know that I made the pick, but I don't love it. I, I went back and forth deciding between uh, Jamison Williams and Brandon Ayuk here. Uh, I was going to take a quarterback with one of the two picks, so I knew I was only going to get one wide receiver here. I like Ayuk better than Jamison Williams, but as a win-later team, what I ultimately came to the decision of is I, I, I feel like I want the higher upside guy. Draft capital, this guy was a, the 12th overall pick last year, I believe. Uh, that's – honestly, guys, that's, that's probably what this pick came down to. I took this guy because I'm a win-later team, and he was a top 15 draft pick last year. We've seen very little of him on the field. I am very worried about him that he had one catch in like four games or whatever it was last year. And, you know, if I'm sure on this show that I've probably talked about how I was off Jamison Williams. This just felt like for where my team was headed, the direction I was headed in, that this, this felt like a gamble that it was worth taking. Yeah, that's not discounting the fact that Brandon Ayuk also was a first-round pick, but the fact that he is a little bit older than Jamison Williams – uh, I, I also do believe Jamison Williams has a higher ceiling than Brendan Ayuk. I think you made the right pick. Um, with that being said, I'm saying over those two particular players, I don't necessarily like Jamison Williams or Brendan Ayuk personally myself. So I, I wouldn't have taken either one of those guys. I'm not the biggest fan of Jamison Williams, but I think the team and how good that offense was last year – he eventually has to get involved just, you know, by accident, maybe. Well, another very small part of the reason why I did this, uh, at the time, I felt like that I would be fighting for draft position with you for the 101, Luigi. Uh, that's That dream's probably gone. <laughs> but I'm still going to be fighting for, for, for draft position with other teams. So the fact that he's missing the first six games of the year and, and – He's probably not going to be very good this year when he comes back. Factored into my decision at all. Whereas, whereas Ayuk would have probably given you added a lot of potential points to yeah. total. So moving on to the 705. And this is an example of something that I talked about with Ryan that I started doing a couple of years ago. Uh, the quarterback that I actually had at the top of my rankings. Uh, going into this pick was actually Will Levis. The problem with that is, is I have three shares of Will Levis and uh, more rookie drafts to come where I'm probably going to pick up. If I had to guess, I'm probably going to end up with five shares of Will Levis by the time it's all said and done with where I'm picking these other six drafts I have, rookie drafts I have. So I decided to go with a quarterback who I don't like as much as Levis there's a, I would say a small gap between the two of them. If I had even shares or even close to even shares, I would have easily slammed Levis. But this is that, the what if I'm wrong pick that I made here, and I decided to take my first share of Desmond Ritter. Uh, the reason why I decided to do this outside of what I just said is, is that even though I'm not a big believer in Desmond Ritter, Atlanta surely is, based on the moves that they've been making recently. The moves that they they made in the draft, all the money that they spent on the defense, they didn't address the quarterback position at all while still trying to make this team better for next year. These moves, and my common sense way of thinking, tells me that Atlanta is sold on Desmond Ritter for some reason. I really uh, – I like Desmond Ritter a lot. I liked him coming into the league. And I think with his offense, there's no reason that he should not succeed. He might not, you know, but I think he's the easy pick over Will Levis for me just because of what's on that team with him. Interesting. So at my previous job, I got the ability to sit around and watch a lot of um, college games, especially over the weekend. And Desmond Ritter was one of the more intriguing players that I always watched, mostly for fantasy purposes. And I have to tell you, I have never been a Desmond Ritter fan, and I will continue to not be a Desmond Ritter fan until he proves me incorrect. I, I'm with you on that. but However, that offense mm. is pretty good mm -hmm. outside of Desmond Ritter, and it's hard for me to see 
if Desmond Ritter is at least capable of him not being a really good quarterback in that system. Arthur Smith is a pretty good offensive coach. And I, I really think that if anybody can help Desmond Ritter be at least a serviceable quarterback for fantasy or even for the NFL, it's that offense and Arthur Smith. And if Bijan's as good as we think he's going to be, he, that should take a ton of pressure off of not just uh, Desmond Ritter, also off the of rest London, of the offense hits off you, of the you, offensive you, line. You have to play line. the you have to play the box more. Yeah, you know, I mean, with CP three, you had to play the box a little bit, but CP three is nowhere the the supposed talent of Bijan Robinson. We haven't seen him in the NFL yet, but if the hype is true, right, then this, then Bijan Robinson should take so much more of the pressure away from the rest of the offense. And the biggest draw about Will Levis is his size and just athletic ability. Uh, Desmond Ritter has that as well. So they don't didn't test too differently, I don't think. So why not just take the guy who has all of the weapons, all the young weapons? Well, that makes me feel a little better about, better about the pick. I've got – it's not like I don't have plenty of shares of Will Levis. So moving on to Team Flash at 706. He has Burrow, Dak, A.J. Brown, Burks, Ridley, and Kyle Pitts, and he adds to this team Brandon Ayuk. Listen, we talked about Ayuk a little bit earlier. Luigi's not a fan. I almost took him over Jameson Williams. I love this pick. I feel like this was the best wide receiver on the board. Uh, this is the – Still the point in the draft where you should be taking wide receivers over running backs, in my opinion. There's still a couple left that I would take over him. Uh, but uh, Luigi sees something that he's about to comment on. Tell, tell me why I'm wrong about Brandon Ayuk. No, no, no. You're not wrong about Brandon Ayuk. We'll, we'll discuss why my aghast look here in just one second. Okay. 707. Ryan is back on the clock with Team Nightcrawler. He has Fields, Herbert, Eckler, Walker, Javante Williams, Judy, Pickens, Waddle, Kittle, tons of guys. Probably has more more players than anyone at this point, I would say. He adds to this, this team Rashad White. And this one was a head-scratcher for me. It's still a head-scratcher for me. I've been staring at it for five minutes now. I think that... Ryan has been doing productive struggle for so long. I, I bet he probably couldn't even tell you the last time he drafted a win now team. If we're if he was here, I think he would probably not be able to tell you. And I think he made a lot of great trades to move himself into a win now position and made a lot of great picks early on in the draft to to, to move into that win now position. But I think here he's trying to thread the needle a little too finely. To me, whenever you have a team on the board like he had, like with the players that we just named, this is time to slam Derrick Henry over Rashad White. And maybe there's other guys he should have taken, could have taken over White too. But just in my personal opinion, this is was him trying to be a little too cute, in my opinion. I think there's – I'm looking at the the picks that come off the board. Uh, at least two, at least three of the next four picks, he should have taken over Rashad White, and yeah. I think that would have made his team even that much better. And I guess the, he could argue that he's he's gambling on young upside, but he's already kind of doing that with Walker and Javante Williams. Yeah. It would have hurt to take a stud, you know. Well, not even necessarily, but take a stud. But we don't necessarily know if Javante Williams is going to be productive this year. No, we don't. So take a guy who we're pretty positive is going to be productive and give you top 10 running back points in yeah. Derrick Henry. If Javante is going to be around for the next three or four or five years. Yeah. I don't know that Rashad White is going to give you even top 25 running back points. It, for, it, for, for a team that ha- that that's put together – of all of these really good players and really productive or hoping to be productive players and Justin Fields and Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler, and Kenneth Walker. It just, it shocks me to see that he would, I think he's it, with this particular pick. If I had just seen this pick where it was taken, I would think that he's re, going to productive struggle retooling team. Well, 
I don't really have anything against Rashad White. I'm not super high on him, but I think that this is in the range of where you should take him on certain teams, like you said. But I just think that if he detect with the roster he's already already mounting here, if he had taken Derrick Henry, who has every year he's been healthy, has been a top five running back. Derrick Henry could have pushed this team over the top to being a championship team. And maybe he still wins a championship, but I think he made it a it's little e- bit. It's easier if he yeah, has he Derrick it, Henry. He made it a little bit harder by not taking Derrick Henry here. Definitely agree. I even think that there might be a guy left who's a young running back who would have been a better pick here. Uh, I think that when Damian Pierce was on the field, he was pretty productive. If you're going to gamble on upside, why not just take the best upside possible? Well, Rashad White probably has more upside, but Damian Pierce is probably safer. I, you know, as much as he's talked about, and he's absolutely right. The reason why Ryan and I, and I think all of us, are down on Godwin and Evans for this season is because of Baker Mayfield. And Ma- Baker's going to affect Rashad White, too. Uh, it, he it, will. He definitely will. I mean, well, he, I think the Damian Pierce has the opposite problem of Rashad White, where I think that offense is going to get worse. I think they're probably going to look to get rid of at least Mike Evans on a trade at some point, and they're not going to have a quarterback for at least this year. Whereas Damian Pierce's offense has done nothing but gotten better. So they added more pieces. Yeah. I think that he's going into a much better situation. And personally, I think Damian Pierce is a more talented running back. I don't know that I agree with that, but I, I I understand your point. I think the guy, to me, it's just about not taking Derrick Henry. If I'm being honest with you, that, <laughs> I, I mean I, that was the obvious pick. I, I I agree with with Bryce on the fact that his offense is getting better. What I don't agree with Bryce is he wasn't very productive last year. Actually, if you look at after game seven or something, he averaged like 1.2 yards per carry. And that to me is abysmal. And that entire offense was abysmal. So, but what I do agree with Bryce is because they added the pieces, maybe his efficiency goes up because now they don't have to worry about, well, the only thing on this offense that we have to worry about is Damian Pierce. Now we have to worry about CJ Stroud throwing yeah. to all these other weapons. Theoretically, he should face a lot less stack boxes. Box. He did face a lot of stack boxes last year. That is that is a fact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving to 708, we have Team Magneto on the clock for only the fifth time in this draft. He has Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase, and Tyreek Hill. At least he made those picks count, right? <laughs> so um, here at 708, he adds another wide receiver to his team in Terry McLaren. Now, let me start by saying that I would have, I, I think Ryan would have been better off to take McLaren over White. But I, so I like this pick better than a shot White pick. But I also think. With him already having two wide receivers in tow. And, and no running backs. And he's traded all of his futures. This was the spot to take, take Derrick Henry. Henry. Yes, yeah. I, I was about to say that exact same thing. But if he's going to go wide receiver, I don't have a problem with this. Probably my top guy on the board. I really like Terry McLaurin here. Uh, I think he's definitely the best receiver on the board now. I probably would have taken him over Brandon Ayuk. I think he's been uh, really good without a lot of quarterbacks almost his entire career. And I think that no matter what we think of Sam Howell, for whatever reason, the commanders believe in him big time. Believe in him enough to announce him a starter already. Yeah, basically as soon as the season ended. So that gives me some faith that Terry McLaurin's going to have somebody getting the ball to him. And I think he's just going to get more targets than Brandon Ayuk. So he has a better chance of doing something with them. I, I actually like Sam Howell a lot. You know, like, I don't know the exact timeline, but let's say two years ago, Sam Howell was considered the top quarterback in his draft. He was. Yeah. Pretty Uh, unanimously. Yeah. And then he had a not-so-great end to his junior year and a not-so-great senior year, and it pushed him completely out, as well as a few other aspects. But I I do think that he has the talent, and I do think if you're stepping into the role of a starting quarterback – and you're a young quarterback, you want to rely pretty much on one guy. And what other guys he going to rely on on that offense besides Terry McLaurin? There are other offensive weapons on that offense that he can also 
you know, throw to on a consistent basis. But and that's a reason to like Terry McLaurin because yes. he won't have to be the only guy. But he will, in Sam Howell's mind, more than likely be the guy that he relies upon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we move to Team Bain, who has the 709 and the 710. This is Team Wide Receiver, if you guys remember. He has Lance, Dodson, Higgins, Lamb, London, and Garrett Wilson as of right now. And, uh, well, he just keeps moving uh, along with that theme. Uh, at 709, he takes Marquis Brown. Marquise Brown. Um, you know, I thought this was a tad early for Marquise Brown. I was hoping to get him in the eighth round, but I, maybe the maybe the early ninth. But, I, you know, I, it's, it's not super early. If you really have conviction in a guy uh, – he probably felt like there was a good chance Hopkins wasn't going to be on the team because as, as of this point in time, Hopkins was still a member of the Arizona Cardinals. I think this is a little bit of a homer pick as well, kind of, considering Marquise He used Brown to play for the Ravens. The Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that could be. Maybe he really loved loved him in, in maybe he thinks Maybe he sees his talent because he got to watch him, consistently watched him play, and, and now thinking – there was a lot of still rumors that Hopkins was being released or that he yeah. was going to be traded. So maybe he just decided to jump ahead of all of that and, and, and take him here. I, I have no issues with the pick. I think he's – honestly, I think he's going to be more productive than Rashad White. So I don't know why – that's another player that's gone off the board that I, I feel like would have also yeah. I would have taken over Rashad White. I think this year is going to be rough for Marquise Brown just because of the direction of that team right now. No but going worry. forward, yeah. I think he's going to be a really, really solid piece. Well, Peter is probably not really trying to win now, exactly. even though he's he's got enough talent wide receiver that he may be middle of the pack. But uh, I don't really think he's pushing for a championship this year. At least I, I, I don't think he is. So with the next pick, surprise, surprise, at the seven ten, he goes full homer. <laughs> Not really. I mean, this is about where this guy should be going. But uh, somebody uh, guessed the pick. Go ahead. Yeah. So he takes Zay Flowers of his uh, Baltimore Ravens. Now, I'm actually going to talk about a different player here than Zay Flowers, because what this tells me about Peter is. It tells me more about another player than it does Zay Flowers. It tells me that he really doesn't like Will Levis. Because to me, this this block of two picks here screamed that he needs to get Will Levis with one of those two picks. So with only having Lance and Toe and already having five wide receivers. And he's probably said that in a in a Zoom call that we were a part of, Luigi, and I just had forgotten it, but I think it's pretty obvious that he really does not care for Will Levis whenever he, he took uh, these two wide receivers over him. That's not the player that I thought you were going to be talking about. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree. <clears throat> I think with the way that his team is already constructed, it just felt like to me that he needed to push more for a quarterback there. And there are a few quarterbacks that could have been taken in that range. Yeah. You know, but the youngest or the ones with the with – the, best win now and win later presence potentially is Will Levis. Yeah. And it, it does shock me that he doesn't slam pick him there. He does slam pick, uh, pick uh, Zay Flowers there. So that's why it maybe he went into that knowing I'm, I'm taking Marquise Brown, I'm taking Zay Flowers. Well, he did, he did have an hour come off his clocks between the first pick. So I don't know if he was thinking about who he was going to take or maybe he was trying to make a trade. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he seems pretty convicted convinced about taking all the wide receivers and uh you know just to touch on zay flowers here because i I don't want to just skip over him again i think this is a a fine place to take him i think keep there's four or five guys that i would have taken over not necessarily wide receivers but four or five guys i would have taken over him and uh you know but for for a baltimore fan that believes in lamar jackson i totally get this i really like zay flowers here uh think that he has a lot of upside and could be a big play guy and there's not too many receivers that I think I would even consider taking over him I I don't think it's necessarily the receivers I think it's the other options around that has Joe and me a little befuddled yeah so 7-11 we uh, take it to reverse flash here for his next pick he has Anthony Richardson Tua uh, B. John Robinson Ramondre and Travis Kelsey. And 
He adds to these five Derek Henry. So honestly, we gave him we gave reverse splash a bit of a hard time in, in, in the first episode, second episode. Some of us more than others. Uh, I think I was probably the easiest on him. About his first and second round picks of B. John Robinson and uh, Anthony Richardson. But through some trades and just taking some veterans, this is a pretty good win-now team, in my opinion, right now. Uh, we The only guy that we are curious about whether or not he's going to give him much production this year is Anthony Richardson. And as we said during, when he made that pick, when I, I said when he made that pick, Richardson should have a pretty safe floor because of the rushing. So there were other teams that have passed on Derrick Henry that I think probably would have made better use of Derrick Henry. And should have taken him. And should have taken him, but I think Reverse Flash just decided that he was going to benefit from this. And I I think he's got a real chance to, to be one of the better teams in that division now. He, he might be the best team in that division. He's he's the best team in that division. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's me, who I'm in a complete... But Bain, you're, you're complete rebuilding. Bain's team, I feel like, is lacking... Quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, yeah. Dependable quarterbacks. Yeah, and even some dependable... Especially up to this point, dependable yeah. running backs. Yeah, and I don't, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to run away with the division, but right now I would, I would say he's the favorite. Yes, definitely. And a, a lot of good... A lot of chips have fallen his way that have turned out really well for him. I, I would love to know if he was looking at that, and that's why he decided to go with guys like Derrick Henry because he was like, well, we got this Luigi guy. Is, he's selling the farm, and then this, uh, you know, Bain is not taking quarterbacks. He's taking project quarterbacks yeah. and only has one at this point. So I, I wonder if that was part of his thinking. I'd be very interested to know from him. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll comment. I like uh, Derrick Henry here. I think easily the best win now piece here. I think anytime you're taking this guy and trying to win, it's the right move. All right. So we had uh, the Joker who was on the clock for two in a row here. So that's that's Mr. Luigi. So I immediately, once the Derrick Henry pick came on the clock, actually, if I'm being honest, I don't know if Luigi knew this, I was trying to move ahead of Luigi into either the 710 or the 711, but just couldn't work out a deal with Bane or Reverse Flash. And couldn't so, work out a deal with me for 712. Well, yes, and that's that's where I was headed with this. Tried to tried to talk to Luigi about the 712, and his response to me was, think I'm going to keep the first of these two picks and just slam Will Levis. And that's the point when I was like, <laughs> because even though I said that, even though I took Ritter over Levis, I was hoping to move up and get Levis as my third quarterback. It didn't work out uh, because Luigi basically didn't even make me an offer. I think he was, you were just really sold on Levis, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at that point, um, my, you know, my team at this point is I've got Deshaun Watson, and Michael Levis. Pittman. Yeah, and I, think I think that's, that's it. it, right? So yeah. I've got those two guys. Uh, I just felt like I, I couldn't pass up on Will Levis there. Uh, I'm a big Bill Bayou quarterbacks type of guy. And uh, it. I don't think that there was anybody on the board that has higher upside or has the potential to be worth more than Will Levis at that point. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it wasn't that difficult for me to know whenever I saw that Will Levis was still available that I wanted him and that somebody had to make me just a great offer for me to not even consider taking him. I think uh, Will Levis um, benefits your team the most here. He's got a while before he's going to be relevant at all. And you don't want points on your team. So. I do not want points on my team. There's <laughs> another reason why I wanted him. So moving on to pick 801, this was also Luigi's pick. And he wouldn't let me have the 712 to come get Will Levis, but he was willing to deal with this pick. So uh, there was a guy I really coveted here as well after Levis. So I, I gave him the 904 and the 1506 for the 801. Uh, real quick on the trade, I, I think this is a trade that works out for both of us. 
he uh, he moves back around, obviously, but there's a lot of lots of guys in this tier. I just kind of prefer I prefer to come up and get a certain guy, and uh, he basically gets a probably a late second round pick to move down. And uh, if he if he was going to take a guy at the 904 that was similar guy they one why not get the value? That, that's kind of where I think he probably was coming from on this, Luigi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this tier is so big that I figured anybody that I was going to take here, this, the, their value would be the same, and i just pick up a 15th-round pick. So at the 801, I decided to add to the group of Desmond Ritter, C.J. Stroud, uh, Quentin Johnson, Devontae Smith, Jameson Williams, and Pat Fryermuth. I'm actually starting to develop a little roster here, guys. <laughs> More uh, points than I have. <laughs> I added Michael Mayer to this team. Uh, this guy was... Luigi, correct me if I'm wrong. I would say he was the tight end one all the way up until the point that the Bills decided to take Kincaid. There was some argument maybe between Mayer and Kincaid, but I think that the the small consensus probably slightly favored Mayer. Um, I think that up until like mock drafts started happening for the NFL draft, I think – the, the testings that had been done, a lot of teams were favoring Dalton Kincaid a little bit. But in terms of the, the fantasy community, I still think Michael Mayer, Michael Meyer, however you want to pronounce his last name, I think he was still the tight end one just due to the fact that his upside is so massive. And I still think he has a higher upside than Dalton Kincaid. What I love about him as, as the top-rated pass blocker among the tight ends in this draft is that generally means that you're going to be on the field. You can be on the field for a run play. You can be on the field for a, an right. RPO, anything. So I I think he might contribute really early on. I, I think that's a possibility. That's obviously not why I drafted him. But if he does contribute early on, we know with from, from the past with tight ends, like Kyle Pitts, for example, after his rookie year, if, if we have some early production out of a tight end, that value is going to shoot through the roof the following year. And, yeah, and, and you know, you know, Darren Waller getting traded to the Giants and Foster Morrow having the, the cancer that, um, you know, the, the diagnosis. And, and I'm, I don't remember exactly if he was still under contract with the Raiders at the time, but they were most likely going to re-sign him if he wasn't. So that left a huge vacancy for yeah. the Raiders. So well, he wasn't under contract because you know he's with the Saints now. Or he is with the Saints now because yeah. they signed him afterwards. But mm-hmm. I can't remember if the Raiders cut him, or if he, or if he was just as a as a free agent. Sure, they didn't cut him. How cold hearted would that be? Well, it's cutting well, they, cutting paying out the rest of your contract. I, I I would be something that I could see them doing. He's yeah. actually already. Whether they cut him or not, he's already a free agent. Okay. Because the Saints are actually the team that found the cancer during a physical. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So maybe he was a free agent. But still, that leaves a big void at tight end. And I know that they have a tight end. I can't remember what his name is, so forgive me for that. Michael Mayer. Well, (laughs) they they do have Michael Mayer, but they have another tight end on their roster. But I I can't remember his name, so that should tell you uh, enough about him that I don't believe that there's going to be a lot of production from those, from any other tight end on the roster, not named Michael Meyer. No, and this is, this is a kind of a theme of mine too. I, I love young tight ends and, and tight end premium. I just feel like whenever they hit the, the value spike is so massive. And as we continue along in this, if we get far enough, you're going to continue to see that this is, this is a theme for me going forward. So it's actually Austin Hooper is the tight end. And, oh, really? And, well, that uh, shouldn't be hard to overtake. Yeah. I mean, he's a solid <laughs> enough tight end, but we know where, where his ceiling is capped versus Michael Myers. So back to pick 802, and I'm not going to go over uh, Nightcrawler's roster right now. He has about seven, no, about 12 guys at this point. Very, uh, should what should be a win-now-directed team. Uh, as I'm counting here, he has 10 guys. So at the 802, he took... Uh, Sam Laporta. A non-win now. Piece. Yeah. This is – this kind of started with Rashad White, in my opinion, and this is kind of going to be a bit of a theme for Ryan is that I feel like he is is trying to, to thread the needle, like I said earlier, you know, to, a little bit too much. I, I think he felt like whenever uh, I took Mayer at uh, the pick before that if he was going to get – Laporta, who he does, he does really like Laporta. We've talked about him uh, 
before. I think he felt like he was going to have to take Laporta now. But to me, I just wouldn't have been worried about that if I was him. There's a number of players, uh, several running backs, Cam Akers, and uh, there's there's more Aaron Jones type guys that he could have taken over him. Uh, honestly, I would have taken Russell Wilson or Derek Carr over uh, Sam Laporta here. I would have taken my third quarterback in this spot. Uh, I just I, I like the value of where Laporta went here. I think the early eighth round is absolutely final for Laporta because I just, I just have Mayer slightly ahead of him. I just don't think it was the right decision for his team. Think of when you make this pick, the idea and hope has to be that he fills what TJ Hawkinson did uh, very quickly. But if you look at, you know, you guys have already pointed out on here before, TJ Hawkinson got better not in this offense. So I think it's kind of and they chose to move away from him, I think it's not really that great of a landing spot. Even though the offense is really good, I think they kind of made a decision that they're not going to value that position that highly. Well, there are definitely uh, – Peter specifically has had conversations in our Zoom chats about Detroit not being a good landing spot for tight ends. And if if you look at it, he's probably not that far off with that. Uh, Hawkinson definitely got better whenever he went went to uh, Minnesota. And- yeah, but he got a better quarterback too. I mean, not Matthew Staff- Matthew Stafford has never really been one to throw to tight ends. He just doesn't yeah. throw to them even when they're open. And Jared Goff is not as good of a quarterback as he's, Kirk Cousins. He's is. not, but it's not like he's Cousins is light years ahead of him. Right? He's not light years ahead of him, but he at least reads the field better. Yeah, and. Hawkinson yeah. gets open a lot. So with Hawkinson getting open a lot and a quarterback that reads the field better than Jared Goff. And of course he was only there for however many games he was there with Jared yeah. Goff. But again, Matthew Stafford has, does not throw very, very much to tight ends. I mean, not, not even Tyler Higby whenever Matthew Stafford's been with the Rams. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, another reason why if you think that about Jared Goff, why Sam Laporta's position here isn't really that exciting. All right, moving on to 803. This is Team Bain. He has currently Trey Lance and all the wide receivers. Uh, just all of them. Uh, every single one. Every single one he's got. Uh, in, in all seriousness, he does have, what do we got, seven wide receivers at this point and Trey Lance. Uh, he decided to go ahead and take a quarterback here to add to Trey Lance, and he went with Geno Smith, which I – to me, it's odd. It's it's a little odd, but obviously, if I'm putting myself in Peter's shoes and trying to think like Peter was thinking, he just has to think that Geno is going to be the guy for the next several years, right? He's so he's sold on Geno Smith. I, he has to be to take him over some of these other guys. He's going to be the guy more than Russell Wilson or Derek Carr. I personally don't think so, but in Peter's mind, he must be because that's the only reason why you take him over those guys here, in my opinion. I, I think I, the issue there is, though, the Seahawks have kind of told us that they don't necessarily believe that with the way they structured his contract. They, need, with, they want to wait one more year to make that decision. That's how they structured it. I, and with what's already on his team is a guy who might not be you know, a starter next year, really who you want here. Well, I think that the thing that you've got to look at with that though is is the Seahawks are probably going to be too good to be in the mark to be in the running for either one of those stud quarterbacks. So even well, though- either one of the stud quarterbacks, but we know based off of every year that ha- that that has been in college, when you, some quarterbacks get to be a senior, they break out and a lot of teams decide, yeah. oh wow, this quarterback is actually really good. There may end up being five quarterbacks drafted in the first round next year. We know that there's two studs, but there may be a couple more that kind of I guess I think that Peter might be onto something here. I think that they did structure his contract so that they can get out if they need to, but I think that they probably think this is their guy. I think think they don't want to put all their eggs in that one basket, but – I do kind of feel like that they think they found something here with Geno. It'll be interesting to see going forward. We That brings us to the 804, and we did have a trade. Uh, Team Vision traded the 804 
to Team Flash for the 807 and two third third round draft picks. Uh, this trade's pretty simple. Tyler had somebody that he really wanted badly. He thought two thirds was worth it to go up and get it, which I completely agree with him. But I also completely agree with the vision side of this because obviously he thought that there was several guys that were similar here. So why not just pick up two extra thirds? So I like this for both teams. I, I think it's pretty straightforward. Any comments on the trade here, guys? No, I think you pretty much nailed it. Uh, so we have Burrow, Dak, A.J. Brown, Burks, Ridley, and Kyle Pitts, and they will be joined by Russell Wilson. And this makes Tyler's third quarterback. And this this is honestly – if you're going to be a contending team, I think the eighth and ninth round is the perfect time to go get your, your third quarterback. So you don't end up with one that's questionable. And uh, I just think this is great value for Russell Wilson at the 804. I, I, I expect him to bounce back under Sean Payton. I, I can't imagine that the Russell Wilson we saw last year is the new Russell Wilson. I feel like he's going to be somewhere in between his Seattle heydays and what we saw last year. You know, kind of going off what you said with uh, Russell Wilson being somewhere between where he was last year and the Russell Wilson of the past is why I think, you know, Bob is Bain, I would take Russell Wilson because I think the same is going to be true of Geno Smith. He's going to be somewhere between what we've seen before, which wasn't a starter, and where he was last year. So probably low-end uh, starting quarterback in the league. That's an excellent point. And, you know, uh, we there's not a way out of Russell Wilson's contract. No. He has to be the guy for the next three years. Yeah. So yeah. I think just Russell Wilson's upside is a lot higher. And I, even though he was a lot worse last year, I think his floor is higher. And you know that he's going to be there. So I don't know if you guys remember this, but after Nathaniel Hackett got fired, Russell Wilson was like the QB three from the point that Nathaniel Hackett got fired till the end of the season. I, I don't remember. That. I don't remember how many games it was exactly. It could have been four games. I do remember that they called him Reverse Russell because yes, because normally he's really good at the beginning of the season and, and crap at the end. But, yeah, but last year he was crap at the beginning of the season and finished as like the QB three from the point that Nathaniel Hackett got fired till the end. And now they're bringing in Sean Payton. I can only think that this offense will get. Better until the about the middle until the, yeah until <laughs> it becomes normal Russell Wilson yeah. but still you're going to be you know so if you need a two or if you need a regular <laughs> season quarterback go with Geno Smith here's your, here's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 if you need a regular season quarterback oh, go yeah, with Russell, Russell Wilson yeah yeah but you're trade gonna be, him before the trade deadline you're gonna through eight games you're gonna be six and two with Russell Wilson yeah. you know and then then you're not gonna get twenty points out of him the rest of the year so yeah. So at 8.05, I'm back on the clock, and, and I really hated this spot. I tried to trade out of this pick, and I, there were just no biters. So I ended up doing something that I didn't really want to do, and I drafted Derek Carr, who does not fit with my team whatsoever. But the good news to, is, yeah, to me, he was – in my opinion, the best value left on the board. I, I, I still think Derek Carr is a very good quarterback. He's borderline QB1 every single year, no matter how much we talk, how much shit we talk about him, how bad that people think he is. He's, he's always there. And to me, he's going to a better situation than he was in. And he's picking up, you know, there's no Devonta Adams on that team for sure. I think but, the Chris Olave of today is the Der- is the Devontae Adams of last year. I, I think you can compare the two at least. I, I really that, hope he has that production increase. Sure. Not that not the entire career necessarily, but I, I just think the older Devontae Adams gets, the yeah. more he declines. And I, and again, I'm not discounting a single thing that Devontae Adams has done. I hope that Chris Olave has the Devontae Adams type career. But I just think at this point in their careers, it's quite possible that Chris Olave is a better wide receiver than he is. Yeah, I, You know, this gave me a third quarterback, and I feel like he's got three or four years left in him. And I just I, – I didn't want to take some of these other guys that were on the board. I didn't want to take a running back, and that's where a lot of the value was at this point. So I went with Carr. Uh, Bryce, do you have anything on Carr? Do we, can we move on? Or No, 
I think it was a great move for you and it ended up working out. Yeah, because then before the, even the next pick came off the board, uh, Tyler reached out to me and said that he had been wanting Carr and he thought Carr would get to his, his next pick. A little was, bit of a homer pick here. Yeah, which he picked at 808, which was three spots later. He didn't really expect me to, to take Carr. So I said, okay, well, uh, you know, I'll trade you Derek Carr. And uh, this is what we came up with. Uh, I sent Derek Carr and the 1106 to him for the 808, the 1204, and a 2025 second from Thor. So remember, I said I tried to trade out of this pick desperately. So basically, what I essentially ended up doing was moving back three spots from 805 to 808. I did move him from the 1204 to the 1106, but I picked up a second in the process. And this is just what a win later team needs to do when they're in a situation like this. And I also think it was a good trade for Tyler because he got a guy that he coveted and he didn't really pay a whole lot to do it. No, I mean, he paid very minimal to, to yeah. do that. But again, like you said, this is what you need to do. You yeah. Know, you just need to pick, pick up value wherever yeah, you can. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that trade happened. And then Batman was on the clock at the eight Oh six. And let's go. We had talked about Batman a lot. Let's go check out and see what his team looks like. He's got Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, uh, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Chris Godwin. Oh, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. He has Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Christian McCaffrey, Tony Pollard, DJ Moore, Debo Samuel, and Mark Andrews. So off to a very nice win-now start, I would say. And he added uh, Bryce's guy here. He added uh, Damian Pierce to this team. Uh, I think this move makes a lot of sense. He needed a third running back to bolster his his uh, start there. Uh, I do expect a uh, progression for uh, Damian Pierce this year because I don't think he'll be facing as many sack boxes as Bryce said earlier. So I, I like this pick a lot. I personally would have chose a different running back, but I think they're very similar. I guess I found out lately uh, – I'm a bigger Damian Pierce guy than a lot of people. But I think right here, it makes a lot of sense. I think he's going to be really valuable to that team, like I said earlier. Yeah, well, like I stated earlier on in the, the show, uh, he really didn't finish the year off very efficiently at all. But a lot of that could have to do with the way the offense as a whole was just terrible. Uh, so with the additions and the improvements on offense, I could very well see a much higher uptick in efficiency. Yeah, that's really, I mean, I said this earlier, not something that worries me because it's easy to game plan for a guy when he's the only guy you got a game plan for. Yeah. All right. Uh, 8.07, we have Vision on the clock. Jalen Hurts, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Alave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Christian Watson. And he decided to add Rashad Bateman to this team. Uh this is early for me, especially considering he only already had four wide receivers. I personally would have, if it was my team, I think I would have added one of the running backs, probably Cam Akers, or I would have went ahead and taken Jordan Love here uh, just to get my second quarterback instead of taking my fifth uh, wide receiver. But uh, I'm assuming that that uh, Mr. Vision has uh, – a very high grade on Rashad Bateman in his personal ranking. So uh, I'm not going to knock it too much. Uh, earlier on, whenever you were talking about the, you thought that, or it, it tells you something about a specific player in uh, Bain's rankings. I thought you were referring to Rashad Bateman because like I stated before, Bain is a Baltimore Ravens fan and him taking Zay Flowers well ahead of Rashad Bateman should say something about his thoughts on Rashad Bateman. Well, in fairness, he didn't have a shot at Rashad. Oh, he actually did. He had a shot when he took Geno Smith. So. Well, then, but also when he took Zay Flowers is what over, I'm saying. I over you. Rashad Bateman, that should tell other people what he believes the wide receiver one in Baltimore will be. I personally believe that Rashad Bateman still is the wide receiver one in Baltimore. I, I don't know. I like his talent. He has shown flashes while he's on the the, the field. And it's kind of hard to thrive as a wide receiver in that offense. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest worry. 
for me, uh, I don't really love Rashad Bateman. Definitely this year, I think Vision is trying to win right now. Uh, not, I don't love him later on because I think there's a guy that plays to Lamar's strengths better who's going to be there with Zay Flowers. And for this year, I think with what you paid Odell, he'll be their number one target. Does Lamar have strengths in, in <laughs> passing? If he, if he has it's one, the it's ball. the <laughs> Uh, I will say this about Rashad Bateman. When they've actually been on the field together, which has been rare. One's been hurt. One's been hurt. They've very rarely been down there together. But in the rare circumstances they have been, they've been pretty good together. So maybe that's what uh, Vision sees. Maybe that's why he made this pick here. He's Vision. Maybe he had a vision about it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's seeing things that we don't. (laughs) You know, after this year, there might be a lot of upside with him when Odell's gone because – you know, having someone open downfield should open things up, you know, yeah. early on. Just ask Mark Andrews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting here at uh, the 808, and, you know, as I've done many times, I decided that I didn't want to take anyone here. So I traded this pick to Team Nightwing, the 808, and I also sent the 1207. And in return, I got the 902, the 1302, and a 2024 second from Team Nightwing. Um. Just more value. L- love it. I- I'm only wor- uh, moving back about six spots here, exactly six spots in the eighth round. And I'm moving him up five spots from the, the 1302 to the 1207. But again, there's lots of veteran quarterbacks and running backs in this such, in these spots that are the best values on the board. And I don't want any part of that. Uh, so I decided to move this pick to Team Nightwing. He was happy to move up because there was a player that he really desired. And honestly, that from that his side of it, yeah, a second, a, a small price to pick, pay if you there's a player that you think is a, a, a tremendous value in this spot. So with the pick that I traded to Team Nightwing at the 808, he took Aaron Rodgers to add to his quarterback room of Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff. I love this pick. I love that he moved up to do it. If you're clearly in that win-now campaign uh, way of thinking, why not move up and take a guy who has top five QB upside? Sure, he may only play one season. He's probably going to play two, if we're being completely honest. Well, he still has to go to Minnesota. That's true. <laughs> yes, yes. He has to follow the Brett Favre path. So I uh, – I don't typically like taking 39-year-old quarterbacks in the eighth round, but if you took Tom Brady in the eighth round of a startup last year, there's a likely chance that you probably were in the thick of things at the end of the year, right? Most likely. So I, I just think this is a good pick and a good a good time to make it. What do you guys think? I think it's a great pick. Uh, kind of jealous of it himself. I think Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be the best – one of the best quarterbacks this year, fantasy-wise. He's got maybe more weapons than he's ever had in, uh, with the Jets and just a team that I think is going to be pretty solid around him. Yeah, yeah. So we'll move on to 809. Uh, we have Team Nightcrawler back in back in action. Uh, Fields, Herbert, Eckler, Walker, Rashad White, Javante Williams, Pickens, uh, Waddle, Kittle, and Laporta. And this time, I think Ryan absolutely got this right. Uh, Cam Akers is a guy that I feel like should have been gone probably a half round ago at least. Uh, he's got absolutely no competition in that uh, Rams backfield. Uh, who knows if Stafford is going to be at 100%. So they may have to rely heavily on the run game. I do think he has talent. I think that his attitude and his childishness – has gotten in the way of that in the past, but something tells me with the way that he came back to that team after basically being kicked off of it, more or less, the way he performed in the latter half of the season next year gives me a lot of hope for this year. So Cam Akers was rated as one of the highest running backs in his class early on in his college career, and injuries kind of took a toll on him. But if he can stay healthy – and he has tremendous upside. Yes. Uh, I'm personally not a fan of the entire offense as a whole. I think we kind of saw with Damian Pierce what this offense may, 
you know, the Houston offense last year kind of foreshadows what this offense may look like this year. Uh, but, I mean, this is Dynasty, and Cam Akers is, what, 23, 24 years old? So right. he's going to be around for a few more years. I don't hate the pick at all. Um, personally, I, I think he should have taken him a little bit earlier, and then maybe he could have had a better shot at another player that's going to come off the board here shortly. But I think this was the right pick for him to, to take in this situation. Yeah, and uh, with the Damian Pierce uh, comment, I think – the offense is heading down a bad path, but I don't think it could be as bad as Houston was last year as long as one Matthew Stafford or Cooper Cup are healthy for most of the year. That automatically gives them more of a chance than Houston had. Yeah. So uh, Team Flash is up next. He's got – well, first of all, there was a trade. This was originally Team Vision's pick, and he traded the 810 and the 1103 for the 908 and the 1004. And – all I can say about this trade from vision standpoint is he must have absolutely hated the players at this point in the draft because he traded uh, Tyler up a full round almost and moved only moved up a round on the back end too from the 11th to the 10th. Maybe he had looked ahead and he saw that he thought the 1004 was going to be quite a bit more valuable than the 1103, and he didn't think the 810 was. Base, maybe he thought it was basically the same player as the 908. That's the only thing I can figure. But if, if you're Tyler and you want a specific player here, this feels like it's free. Uh, does that feel in the, that you guys get? Yeah, I mean, if you have conviction about a player, we say this a lot, but if you have conviction about a player and you want to move up to take a player, then I think this is as cheap as you can get. And with this pick, he added Miles Sanders to his team. And for the second pick in a row, I'm saying – these late eighth round running backs that are coming off the board, I love these picks when for these win now teams. I, I just I, Miles Sanders could legitimately have fourth round, fourth or fifth round startup production, and you're getting him at the end of the eighth round. I just I think that's a, a very uh, nice nice uh, player to add to the team here. So as a Panthers fan, it was Dante Foreman that was your running back last year, correct? Correct. And he performed I admirably. Mean, admirably. Yeah. How much better is Miles Sanders than Dante Foreman? Quite a bit, I think it's right? It's hard to say, though. Uh, we had a good offensive line last year. Part of what worries me with Miles Sanders as a Panthers fan is I think he's going to be good. But was it because Miles Sanders was so good that he's averaging five yards a game? A or a carry, sorry. Or was it because their offensive line was just far and away the best offensive line in football. I, I think to average five yards a carry yeah. over a career of five or six years that Miles Sanders has been in the five years, let's say, I think that's that a lot of that has to do with you and not necessarily the offensive line. And as you said, we also have a good offensive line. So I if agree. he could do it there, why can't he do it here? I just think, you know, their offensive line is so much better than even the next best offensive line that – I think it makes a difference. And to Luigi's point about Dante Foreman, I think Miles Sanders will be better for us than Dante Foreman. But I think you can expect just a little bit better, honestly. I think Miles Sanders is really talented, but I think Dante Foreman also is. I think uh, he doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. So that's what I'm expecting out of Miles Sanders. I hope you're wrong because I gotta say I love Dante Foreman last year, but the talent level between those two guys is massive. It's supposed to be massive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I hope I'm wrong too. I just I think that Miles Sanders benefited from a great situation. Well, I think Dante Foreman did too. And I think I think that I think that Miles Sanders is the more talented player. So I, I personally I'm expecting big things on Miles Sanders this year, but we'll see. I opened up a can of worms. I'm sorry. <laughs> So we're going to head to the 8-11, Team Nightwing, and he sent went ahead and picked up Aaron Jones to add to Goff, Mahomes, Rogers, Chubb, uh, Najee Harris, Chris Godwin, Amon Ross St. Brown, and TJ Hawkinson. I, I'm going to continue the theme. I love Aaron Rodgers at the end of the eighth round for a win-down team. It really feels like that the – Teams that are win now that are drafting at the end of this eighth round are really picking up very substantial pieces that are going to help them this year. Aaron Rodgers, 
has been phenomenal since he's been with Green Bay, since pretty much from day one. Uh, I feel like with Jordan Love taking over Aaron Rodgers, they're going to lean on the running game even more. Aaron Jones is a stud. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Completely agree. I think he's a great, great pick here. Yeah, I mean, he's dynamic in both the, the run game and the receiving game. So I think for a win-now team, especially like Jorge's team, I, I think it was a slam pick there. All right, we're going to move on to the last pick of the eighth round, Team Magneto, who has Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, and Terry McLaren, adds Christian Kirk to his roster. So Magneto has decided that he's going to win with quarterbacks and wide receivers alone. And I personally, I love zero running back strategies. Uh, we, we're all aware of that here. We've talked about it many times. Uh, the reason why I think it can work for him, but there's been a couple of times whenever I thought he should have taken a running back, quite honestly. And uh, maybe this wasn't one of them because, yeah, now that I'm looking at the board, he got the, the three guys that were taken right in front of him were probably the last three guys I would have taken over a guy like Christian Kirk. So maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like whenever he made the McLaurin pick, there was running backs I thought he should have taken. But uh, overall, he's had only six picks so far, but look what he's done with this six picks. I I think that this this team is headed in the right direction for a win-now approach. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. And I think Christian Kirk is the best receiver on the board for me right now personally. I think this is the right pick. I think I've always been a fan of him, and he proved last year why – He's a good receiver and is going to be valuable to anybody. Yeah, I don't think he necessarily has the highest upside, but I do think he's one of the more safe picks for sure. And I actually think Calvin Ridley being there helps him a lot. That brings us to the end of the eighth round in the startup draft, and we've made an executive decision between the three of us that we're done analyzing pick by pick. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to cut off episode 14 here. We're going to come back with episode 15 and do a recap of all the teams as they stand now. Uh, we're in approximately the 15th round, I believe. We're going to do a recap, do some you know predictions, and uh, just have a little fun with that. So uh, if, if you've uh, stayed with us this entire time and you're interested to see how these teams turned out, then uh, please join us for episode 15.